I'm Quinn Emmett, and this is Important Not Important, Science for People Who Give a Shit. The newsletter features the most important science news, how to think about it, and what the hell you can do about it. Hit subscribe right now to get this newsletter every Friday, plus my conversations with the world's smartest people on most Mondays. You can find the email version and links to everything at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. The link's also right there in your show notes. You can also support our work and get further ahead by becoming a member. Members get exclusive essays, live monthly AMAs with me and special guests, and if you go annual, access to our incredible community. And it's all more affordable than ever. Visit newsletter.importantnotimportant.com to become a member today. It's Friday, June 24th, 2022, and it's been a hell of a week. Look, I'm going to be outright with you. 95% of this week's newsletter was written before today's Roe v. Wade news dropped, so please caveat the whole thing. States have the power now over uteruses, at least. So here's some essential autonomy-related action steps. Visit our friends at runforsomething.net to donate to 80 different abortion funds doing the work. Help elect diverse young progressives in state and local offices. Run for local office already. I mean, come on. And of course, don't forget, get your news from the 19th, an independent nonprofit newsroom reporting on gender, politics, and policy. Here's the week summarized. The SEC's coming for greenwashing in a real way, finally. BA4 Endgame and BA5 Infinity War are subvariants that are here and increasingly immune evasive. You should eat more local veggies and bye-bye vapes and maybe even nicotine. Lastly, a digital privacy bill might actually see the light of day, and that's even more important considering today's news. In climate change news, look, transitions are rarely easy. Expectations come crashing down, feelings get hurt, trillions of dollars of poisonous, taboo, stranded assets are left to dry. Sometimes we're transitioning away from fossil fuels, sometimes to prequels from beloved original movies. Sometimes we're just talking about puberty. Either way, it's easy to want to just stick with the status quo that got you here. But just like you can't put puberty back in the box, even if you're only 11 and, oh God, what is all of this hair? The point is, we're well past the point of no return with fossil fuels. Electric vehicles of every size are coming faster than we thought. Wind and solar are holding up the Texas grid. We can't build enough batteries or heat pumps. And we know pollution takes two years off your life, so maybe we should just do less of that shit. But that doesn't mean some folks just can't quit you. Here's how to understand it. As the SEC finishes gathering comments on their proposed climate disclosure rules... Some entities, corporate ones to be exact, are ready to be judged. We have links to Apple's comment, Microsoft's, and one from 73 different pension funds, and others less so. Some protests were predictable, for example, from Bank of America or the Chamber of Commerce. Some a little more hypocritical, like BlackRock. But have no doubt, even these rules are watered down. Change is coming. Even before ESG investing theoretically conned millions of investors out of billions of dollars— more than half of those investors, by the way, claim to prioritize impact over return, so really fuck those guys. No one, not you, not me, and certainly not those guys at Wall Street or international conglomerates like Unilever, have ever paid full price for the world we've built. And now, the receipts are in. It's time to rewire the world. It's time to call greenwashing what it is 
and penalize the shit out of it, by the way. It's time to track renewable pledges in real time. We can do that. And not only because people are being taken advantage of, but because we have to do all of this. And we've never had more tools. And like that clock thing in Stranger Things, the clock only goes tick-tock. We have to go through the darkness to get to the light. The good news is on the other side, and this is all from just this week, the first EV charging giant besides Tesla may have just come together. The U.S. Eastern Plains are finally living up to their wind tunnel potential. India is planning to auction off an astounding 12 gigawatts of offshore wind capacity. U.S. grid-scale energy storage has recently quadrupled just in time for the FERC to find new ways to get wind and solar attached to the grid and faster. And President Biden and almost every East Coast governor are doubling down on wind, while NextEra, a huge utility, aims to go actually net zero by 2045, and $20 billion in climate tech VC money remains ready to be deployed. Forget what the markets do. Here's what you can do. Smash your thumb on the screen to donate to the Climate Slate. It's a collection of down-ballot races with the greatest climate impact per campaign dollar. In COVID news, so those fancy new COVID boosters uh, we've been talking about, those cannot come soon enough. As infection waves continue to crash over populations across the world, if thankfully and relatively decoupled from deaths in immunized countries, a litany of subvariants have increasingly earned their immune-evasive scout badge. Where once we thought the virus might run out of fuel or fresh humans, a new Harvard Medical School study published in the New England Journal of Medicine this week shows that our amateurish global vaccination rates predicated on those OG vaccines have led to subvariants like BA4 and BA5 that, while still mostly stymied from sending you to the hospital, are capable of evading antibodies from prior infections, from vaccines, and even from boosters to make you sick again and again. Now, not dead, but sick. And on a sliding scale, sure, but one, being sick fucking sucks for you and for the economy. And two, with every new infection, the odds of some long COVID symptom catching up with you grows. On the vaccine side, look, these things have probably saved 20 million lives so far by the latest accounting. That's fucking nuts. But we're playing a serious game of catch-up now. Only an otherwise mythical pan-coronavirus vaccine might actually put us ahead of the eight ball. But in the meantime, we should be upgrading wastewater tracking everywhere, simultaneously opening every window we can find and shoving MERV-13 filters into every HVAC system in America. We should be upgrading those boosters to include at least a smidgen of Omicron and then convincing way, way, way more people to get them. Here's what you can do. Order your more free tests, get your booster, track your wastewater, and of course, sign up if you or someone you know has long COVID of any sort. Sign up for the NIH's recover study so we can get to fixing this shit. In food and water news, not unlike biannual breaking news headlines that one single dose of vitamin E will strike you down with cancer lightning, debates over the emissions footprint of the human food chain, food we eat, not when we eat humans, it's a different newsletter, they've swung wildly back and forth for years, right? Local versus not, veggies versus meat. Again, not human meat. But while satellites and the like have improved our ability to measure the horrific land use and emissions around industrialized meat and the corn that feeds it, seemingly settling the meat versus veggies argument forever, what gets lost, and I know this will surprise you, is nuance. 
So, from Bloomberg, the global transportation of food produces up to 7.5 times more greenhouse gas emissions than previously estimated, according to a peer-reviewed study published Monday in the journal Nature Food. More than one-third of those emissions are generated by the international trade of fruits and vegetables, nearly twice what's produced by growing them, according to the paper. While livestock raised for the meat is responsible for the bulk of agricultural production emissions, fruits and vegetables are particularly carbon-intensive to ship due to their bulk and the need for refrigeration during transport, according to the researchers. Look, the nuance is more important than ever as food grows more expensive. Food miles have exploded over the last couple decades, but more recently, more countries are banning food exports, like India and China, as others realize the profound soil water, deforestation, and health impact of generations of monocrops that mostly get crunched up for cows and gas tanks. Meanwhile, Putin's war and accompanying sanctions have devastated grain exports and yet kind of reduced food mile traveled temporarily and, well, with enormous trade-offs. And climate change threatens not only farmers and yields, but entire crops like bananas and coffee. Have no doubt. Folks, the 1% absolutely plays a role here. Food waste is an unacceptable clusterfuck. Composting, philanthropy, and high-end sustainable markets like Patagonia Provisions can hopefully play a role in changing those habits, but we have to legislate too. I know that sounds crazy. We have to create incentives for more regenerative farming from younger farmers and farmers of color, for not fishing the entire ocean dry, for better labeling, for crops that can withstand the heat to come, and of course, for borders that are welcoming to substance farmers who can't cut it in their parched homelands any longer. So can hybrid grapes salvage hotter-than-hell winery regions? Maybe. Can plant-based layers like appeal protect fruits and veggies from the farm-to-table journey and reduce single-use plastics? Seems like it. Is World Central Kitchen modeling disaster relief for the 21st century? Probably. Fucking hopefully. The point is the tools are here, and it's time to use them. In the meantime, maybe think like uh, Michael Pollan, right? Eat plants, mostly legumes, and buy them locally. Here's what you can do. You can also make sure your seafood is legit with a handy guide from the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch Program. In health and bio news, vapes are out, it seems, at least for the biggest company. From Gizmodo, the FDA announced today that the popular e-cigarette Juul will be banned from the American market. After a report earlier this week from the Wall Street Journal indicated that the decision was imminent, the Food and Drug Administration has made the ban official. But also this week... The Food and Drug Administration is planning to require tobacco companies to slash the amount of nicotine in traditional cigarettes to make them less addictive and reduce the toll of smoking that claims still 480,000 lives each year. The proposal, which would take years to go into effect, of course, would put the United States at the forefront of global anti-smoking efforts. Only one other nation, New Zealand, has advanced such a plan— this is not usually the company we keep these days, so that's great. Look, last year, I wrote an essay where I tried to illustrate an action model using progress against lung cancer as an example. I said, the answer lies in a combination of more research, better and different treatments, expanded testing, legal decisions, craving relief products, advertising regulations, indoor smoking regulations, taxes, and public messaging. We have made progress against this particular evil not because we have done one of those things, but because we have done all of those things. 
And if that sounds like my screed about COVID above or about climate change, yeah, that's the way it works with complex systemic problems. So have no doubt tobacco companies and red state politicians paid off by big tobacco are going to fight these measures. They're designed to make smoking drastically less addictive. They're going to fight them tooth and nail. It's just a couple months after the FDA announced a ban on menthol-flavored cigarettes, and now this? On the day of my daughter's wedding? Look, the point is, in the third quarter of a game against a novel respiratory virus that straight crushed millions of Americans with preventable, tobacco-related medical conditions, fighting for these regulations to go into effect is among the most gangbuster 80-20 moves we can make to make America healthier, reduce healthcare costs, and prevent another COVID-like calamity. COVID, for example, might be down to a few hundred deaths a day. But remember when it was a thousand plus and how terrible that felt? Yeah, well, about 1,300 people die prematurely each day of smoking-related causes, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Still, 1,300 a day. We can do better, better. Here's what you can do. Join the fight by volunteering with or donating to the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. In computer news, look, as I've alluded to repeatedly since Judge Alito's draconian mixtape leaked a few weeks ago and now officially dropped today, digital privacy only becomes massively more important in a post-row world. So Congress is working on it, but it's not good enough yet. What does not good enough mean when we're talking about a federal privacy bill. Well, Senator and Commerce Chair uh, Maria Cantwell, who's been fighting for privacy law for a minute now, told the Washington Post this week she won't support the current bipartisan version. And that's because it's got major enforcement holes, which, okay, but also because a few states like California have strong privacy laws. And if she's going to do a federal one, it's got to top those, not weaken them or create this huge patchwork of shit like we have for marijuana. Here's what you can do. Please consider what you purposefully put online, like period tracking apps and your location, but also what your devices are putting online about you every minute of every day. So we've got some tips in the newsletter uh, to start scrubbing your data. It seems crazy that we have to talk about this, but we do. Here's 10 things from my notebook. Block Power Civilian Climate Corps is hiring people in underserved New York City areas to make their neighborhoods more energy efficient, and that is fucking cool. Number two, Afghanistan is even further in tatters after this week's earthquake where a thousand people died. Number three, our monkeypox response is looking very familiar and less than ideal. Number four, this is the FDA's five-year plan to develop neurodegenerative drugs. So think about ALS, etc. That's in the show notes. Number five, what do induction stoves actually cost? Maybe a little less than you think. Number six, Japan will end financing for coal projects. Huzzah. Number seven, in mid-July, you're going to want to dial 988 for mental health help. And we're going to keep talking about that. Number eight, China's clean air campaign has actually reduced global air pollution hugely, more over the past seven years than we did in America in three decades. Number nine, is there hope for a $100 genome test? And number 10, the National Institute of Health launched a new $20 million annual program to close the funding gap between black and white investigators. That's the news for this week. It's a lot. Hit subscribe to get next week's news and tips straight to your feed right here. To go deeper, visit newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. Thanks for being a part of our community, and thanks for giving a shit. Have a safe weekend. (laughs) 